Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. This episode will be the, it's not even a half really, but the second part of Ether chapter 12. I want to focus on uh, a few things here in this episode. Mainly, we're going to talk about, uh, we'll touch on charity, uh, but mainly we're going to talk about the weakness and humility and grace uh, uh, ideas that are shared in this chapter by Moroni. So, um... Moroni gives us a definition and talks about hope. I think so a lot of it's easy to look at Ether chapter 12, verse 27. And if men come unto me, I'll show unto them their weakness. That that this idea, that that verse, and not look at it in its context, how we got there. And oftentimes, and I'm guilty of this, when I look at it, its context, I go back a few only a few verses. But let's look at the chapter as a whole here. He's telling us about ether, and he's telling us about, remember what he said at the very beginning about ether, that he, the spirit was with him so strongly that he could not be uh, restrained, and he went out and, and was preaching repentance and crying repentance. And then Moroni says, let me tell you about faith. And so it would seem that the faith of ether uh, is one of the catalysts, at least, that drove Moroni to, to tell us about faith, and then to tell us, look at all these great men in, in, in my Nephite history that have been... Uh, driven by faith and the blessings that they received. My father saw Christ because they had first had faith. They endured their trials. And so they were blessed and had these um, miraculous things happen. The miracles were wrought by faith, right? And so then we get to him saying, and now I said unto the Lord, the Gentiles will mock these things because of our weakness in writing. And so now he starts to be self-conscious. Am I explaining this properly? Is my faith sufficient? How, how concerned was Moroni with, with this concept of making mistakes or being insufficient in his writing? Well, in the title, on the title page of the Book of Mormon, Moroni ends by saying, And now, if there are faults, there are the mistakes of men. Wherefore, condemn not the things of God, that you may be found spotless at the judgment seat of Christ. He was worried enough about it that he put in the title page before... Uh, burying the plates where Joseph Smith would be, uh, where he would take Joseph Smith to find them. He was worried enough that he said, look, there might be some mistakes in here, but it's because of men, not of God. And so in Ether 12, he's expressing the same concern that not even, not only like, just like, did we make mistakes because we are imperfect, but our writing style, our writing language is difficult. Uh, the weakness in our writing for thou Lord has made us mighty and word by faith. But thou hast not made us mighty in writing. Thou hast made all this people that they could speak much of this, of, uh, of the Holy Ghost, which thou hast given them. Uh, and thou hast made us that we could write but little because of the awkwardness of our hands. And so he's saying, like, it's hard to write here. I touched on this a little bit in a, a few episodes back that he's writing in reformed. Uh, well, it, it seems that the way that they were writing uh, would have in this reformed Egyptian would have been, uh, instead of being like English or uh, a Hebrew type dialect where you write out, you know, if you're going to say the word dog, uh, you would spell out in English D-O-G. Whereas in, in Egyptian, and presumably in this reformed type style of Egyptian that maybe is even more shorthand, if you wanted to, in English, if you wanted to say the dog ran to the house, you would spell those words out. But in a language like Reformed Egyptian, it's not phonetic like that. There's a there's a picture or a, an icon or 
um, a symbol that would represent the dog running to the house. But that leaves room for a lot of misinterpretation and leaves room for some difficulty in writing that and expressing that, right? Now, we have the Book of Mormon translated through the gift and power of God, which I would imagine overcame many of the concerns that Moroni had. However, as he's writing it, he has the concerns that this is insufficient, it's inadequate. I'm trying to express what faith is, what miracles can be wrought by faith, and I can't do it because I I don't have the words, I can't write those words. Not because I, I lack the intellectual ability, but because my language is insufficient. And so, um, but he says, look, but that, behold, thou hast made, not made us writing, uh, mighty in writing like unto the brother of Jared, for thou made, madest him that the things which he wrote were mighty even as thou art. So, like the, whatever language that was written in for the Jaredites, the brother of Jared wrote beautifully and eloquently and awesome. And now he's and he's recounting this story, and he's like, I'm trying to express this faith, and I just was telling you, I was showing you how the brother of Jared wrote, and I translated it from that, and it was so beautiful, and my words are so just blah. And now he's, so he's self-conscious here. And so then the Lord says to him, Fools mock, but they shall mourn, and my grace is sufficient for the meek, that they shall take no advantage of your weakness. And if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I will give unto men weakness. I give unto men weakness that they may be humbled. And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then I will make un, I will make weak things become strong unto them. Uh, in Exodus chapter four, verse ten, Moses uh, shows us a bit of his weakness. Uh, and he, he chooses something, he does something interesting here, and we're going to compare it to uh, a story from, from the book of Moses uh, about Enoch. Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of slow, and of slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb or deaf, the seeing or the blind, have I not, have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will make with my mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O Lord. Okay, so the Lord says, don't don't worry about that. I'm I'm the one that made your mouth. I make I'm the one that makes people deaf. I'm the one that made the ear to even hear. Like I can do this. Moses should have said, Okay, because the Lord says, go out and say what I tell you to say, and it will be fine, and you'll be have the power. But Lord, but Moses says. O Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well, and also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. Moses said, Send me somebody. I don't want to do it. I can't do it. I I don't have... And so the Lord then is, is upset with him and his lack of faith, and so he says, Fine, I will give you your brother, he'll be your, your, your spokesman. And famously, that's what happens is uh, Aaron becomes his spokesman. Rather than something weak becoming strong for Moses, the Lord gave him a crutch instead because that's what Moses had asked for. But if we go to the Lord in faith, uh, we can compare that story to Moses chapter 6, verse uh, starting verse 31. It's Enoch. He says, 
And when Enoch had heard these words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord and spake unto the Lord, saying, Why is it that I have found favor in thy sight? And I am but a lad, and I'm all and all the people hate me, for I am slow of speech, wherefore am I thy servant? And the Lord spake unto Enoch, and said, Go forth, and do as I have commanded thee, and no man shall pierce thee. Open thy mouth, and it shall be filled, and I will give thee utterance. For all flesh is in my hands, and I will do as seemeth me good. So he says almost the same thing as he said to Moses, and then What was the outcome? Well, Enoch, unlike Moses in this case, chose to believe unconditionally and in advance, and in advance, because he hadn't, he has his mouth hadn't been filled yet, right? He didn't have that experience, but he said, okay, I'll trust you. So what, what did this weakness become a strength as, as is promised by the Lord? Let's find out. Moses chapter six, verse uh, 47 says, and Enoch spake forth the words of God, and the people trembled and could not stand in his presence. Later in Moses chapter 7, verse 13, And so great was the faith of Enoch that he led the people of God, and their enemies came to battle against them. And he spake the word of the Lord, and the earth trembled, and the mountains fled, even according to his command. And the rivers and waters turned out of their course, and the roar of the lions was heard out of the wilderness. And all nations feared greatly, so powerful was the word of Enoch. And so great was the power of the language which God had given unto him. His weakness was made strength because he believed unconditionally and in advance and acted in accordance. Now, Moses was a blessed prophet and a righteous man. But in this instance, he doubted. He doubted the Lord. The Lord made do and he gave him Aaron so that the work of the Lord could continue. Enoch, on the other hand, went to the Lord in his weakness. He became humbled. He had hope and faith in the Lord, and the Lord made his weakness a strength. Elder Neil Maxwell said, When we read in the scriptures of man's weakness, this term includes generic, but necessary weakness is inherent in general human condition, in which the flesh, in which the flesh has such an incessant impact on the, upon the spirit. Weakness likewise includes, however, our specific individual weaknesses, which we are expected to overcome. Life has a way of exposing these weaknesses. Elder Maxwell, uh, in a different, uh, at a different time, said, when, when we are unduly impatient with, our, with an omniscient God's timing, we really are suggesting that we know what is best. Strange, isn't it? We who wear wristwatches seek to counsel him who oversees cosmic clocks and calendars. Because God wants us to come home after having become more like him and his sons and his son. Part of this developmental process of of necessity consists of showing unto us our weakness. Hence, if we have ultimate hope, we will be submissive because with his help, those weaknesses even become strengths. It is not an easy thing, however, to be shown one's weakness, as these are regularly regularly demonstrated by life circumstances. Nevertheless, this is part of the coming into Christ and is vital, if painful, part of God's plan of happiness. The scriptures teach us at least five weaknesses and downfalls of, of the natural fallen man, that the atonement and his grace can help us overcome. First, uh, most gladly, therefore, will I Rather, glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So our inadequacies, uh, that's from Second Corinthians chapter 12. 
Uh, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Uh, That's from Hebrews chapter 4. The Lord God showeth unto us weakness, that we may know that it is by grace that we have power to do these things. Jacob chapter 4, verse 7. I know that I am nothing as to my strength. I am weak, therefore I will not boast of myself, but I will boast of my God, for in his strength I can do all things. That's Alma chapter 26. And from Moroni chapter 10, if you, if you shall deny yourself of all godliness and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you, that by his grace you may be perfect, perfected in Christ. Uh, Elder Bednar said, Thus the enabling and strengthening aspect of the atonement helps us to see and to do and to become good in ways that we could never recognize or accomplish with our limited mortal capacity. I testify and witness that the enabling power of the Savior's atonement is real. We often think of the atonement as just overcoming our sins, our downfalls, our weaknesses, but it helps us to be better, to acquire Christ-like attributes, and to become uh, more like Him and His Son, more like God and His Son. Uh, the The handbook, True to the Faith, uh, talks about what uh, humility is, and as as we come unto the Lord in humility, what does that mean? For us to have his grace so that his grace can be sufficient. It says to be humble is to recognize gratefully your dependence on the Lord. To understand that you have constant need for his support. Humility is an acknowledgement that your talents and abilities and gifts are from God. It is not a sign of weakness, timidity, or fear. It is an indication that you know where your true strength lies. Do you think that Enoch, uh, when he spoke the words and people couldn't stand to be in his presence or... Mountains were fleeing or rivers were turning out of the way. Do you think that he was weak because he was humble? No. He was strong because he was humble, because he knew where his strength came from. President Monson uh, said this, Should there be anyone who feels he is too weak to change the onward and downward course of his life, or should there be any of those who fail to resolve to do better because uh, that greatest of fears, the fear of failure, there is no more comforting assurance to be had than the words of the Lord, My grace, he said, is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. If they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then I will make weak things become strong unto them. Hope and faith and humility allow us to access not only the refining and cleansing and purifying powers of of Christ's atonement, atonement, but also his enabling and ennobling uh, it's enabling and ennobling powers and effects as well. I mentioned in the last episode that faith, hope, and charity are related. And as we move forward in the chapter, in verse 31, Moroni says, For the, thus didst thou manifest thyself unto thy disciples, for after they had faith. In verse 32, he says, Thou hast prepared a house for man, yea, even among the mansions of thy father, in which man might have a more excellent hope. And in verse 34, he says, Now I know that this is love which thou hast had for the children of men, uh, which is charity. Wherefore, except men shall have charity, they cannot inherit that place. So Moroni, again, starts to connect for us faith, hope, and charity. And so then Moroni starts to pray, and he says, Okay, I see the Lord's charity. I see his grace, his uh, patience, his long-suffering, his mercy. And now he wants to have it for the Gentiles. And he says, And it came to pass that I prayed unto the Lord that he would give unto the Gentiles grace, that they might have charity. And it came to pass, the Lord said unto me, If they have not charity, it mattereth not unto thee. Thou hast been faithful, wherefore thy garments shall be made clean. And because thou hast 
seen thy weakness, thou shalt be made strong, even unto the sitting down in the place which I have prepared in the mansions of my Father. We can control us. We can come to the Lord and have our weaknesses become strengths. We can't make someone else. We can have charity for our enemy. We cannot make them have charity for us. And what a powerful thought that is for man to uh, this this thought, this revelation from the Lord to a man who witnessed his enemies destroy his civilization. And what did the Lord say about Moroni? He says, "You have had faith. You have had charity. You have charity for the Gentiles. I see. I see it. I know it. You have charity for the Lamanites. You have charity. You don't just have charity for like some people. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's like I, I have charity for my family. I have charity for this guy down the road." Charity is something you either have or you don't have. It's a, it's you possess that quality. It is a trait, as a state of being, or you don't. And we can have it in in varying degrees, absolutely. And it and we can continue to grow and increase in that charity in in that trait. But to say, but what my but the point I'm making is that for the Lord to say that Moroni had charity is is an astounding. Uh, thought, and you compare that to Moroni chapter 7 and Mormon writing about charity. These two guys, these this father and son, they witnessed the entire downfall of their society, of their, of their people. Moroni saw his father die in, in, in war and battle and saw everyone die and he's alone. Yet he continued to labor and love to do what? To give us the book of Ether. To give us the book of Moroni. To compile the record that his father had had. To place it lovingly in the ground so that it could be kept and preserved so that the charity the so that the the prayers of his forefathers whom he had charity for could be answered that when they prayed that their record would be kept and preserved for future genera- generations in talking about charity marvin g ashton said charity is perhaps in many ways a misunderstood word we often equate charity with the visiting the sick taking in casseroles to those who need uh, or sharing our excess with those who are less fortunate but really true charity is much much more real charity is not something you give away it is something that you acquire and make part of yourself and when the virtue of charity becomes implanted in your heart you are never the same again it makes the thought of putting others down repulsive perhaps the greatest charity comes when we when we are kind to each other, when we don't judge or categorize someone else, when we simply give each other the benefit of the doubt or remain quiet. Charity is accepting someone's differences, weaknesses, and shortcomings, having patience with someone who has let us down or resisting the impulse to become offended when someone doesn't handle something the way we might have hoped. Charity is refusing to take advantage of another's weakness and being willing to forgive someone who has hurt us. Charity is expecting the best of each other. I love that quote about charity because it gives such real life, real tangible what does charity look like examples? Because oftentimes he said, it's like, yeah, taking a casserole. Or it's, it's the ch- pure love of Christ. Well, but what does that look like in action? Because like faith, like hope, like charity, like paying your tithing, it is a state of being, but it is also an action. And and so I love that quote from uh, Elder Ashton. And so to conclude this this second uh, episode about Ether chapter 12, I just want to share my testimony of of Christ and his goodness and mercy and his power to make weak things become strong. Uh, there are weaknesses that I still have. There are sins that do easily beset me. But as I have uh, come to the Lord in my life, 
I have seen the temptations of of the adversary diminish. I have seen uh, my not all. Like I said, I'm not a finished product, but I have seen weaknesses in me become strengths. I have seen uh, growth in myself as I've taken time to journal and look back and read those those past uh, writings so that I can compare where I am now to where I was in the past. And I can see the hand of the Lord purifying, refining, uh, and uh, strengthening my weaknesses. Thank you for listening. Uh, this, like I said, has been one of the more and most enjoyable chapters to study this week. So many great quotes from from leaders uh, and church scholars about Ether 12, about faith and hope and charity and and how we can apply them into our life and how they uh, can be a, a blessing and benefit to us. I hope you will enjoy the, your studies as much as I have, and I hope you'll join me uh, in the next episode, which I, at current, at, at the current state uh, of thinking, uh, am anticipating will be Ether chapters 13, 14, and 15, all wrapped together to close out the book of Ether. Hope you join me then, and I'll talk to you later.